People come to the San Francisco Bay Area for many reasons, a spectacular natural setting, a sophisticated lifestyle, and unique professional opportunities. Those seeking these qualities will find all that and more at Hacienda, where you can work, live, and grow. A Hacienda location means having the best of everything within easy reach. Whether it's world-class restaurants, theaters, and museums, the best learning institutions in the country, or some of the finest services available. That particularly applies to businesses wanting the best address to have easy access to needed resources, being among the industry leaders, and knowing that you are part of a region that leads the world in innovation. The result, an unbeatable combination that leads to success, and that is what you will find at Hacienda. Find out more by visiting Hacienda on the web at hacienda.org. Today's conversation takes us to Los Angeles, where we talk to Hal Paul, the head of West Coast Acquisitions at Haven Capital. Hal has a long-standing experience in the industry, but Haven Capital is a newcomer to the commercial real estate market, and they are trying to take a somewhat niche opportunity and bring it to the mainstream of the industry. How Haven Capital is looking to do that is the subject of our conversation, as well as a perspective on the different food groups of an industry that seems to be recovering with great speed. Hal, good afternoon. How are you? Great, Vlad. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Where do we find you today? Where are you? I am in my office in Los Angeles, California. Excellent. Excellent. And I know the state has been slowly opening. Are you guys uh, in the office? Have you guys been in the office for a little while? I'm in the office in an office suite on the, on the West Coast yep. in Los Angeles. The rest of my team is primarily in the New York area, and they are not quite back into the office, but we are hoping that should happen shortly. Hey, but Hal, just like, you know, everything cultural sort of starts from the West and moves East, maybe, you know, this is one of those things as well, right? Is they'll they'll learn from <laughs> us and how things should be done on the West Coast, perhaps, right? I can, one can only hope. <laughs> exactly. Excellent. Uh, well, Hal, tell us a little bit about, you know, yourself and how your, you know, winding road of your career got you to Haven Capital. Who is Haven Capital also? And uh, just a kind of an overview as a, as an intro for our listeners. Sure. I, I'm, uh, I've been in the commercial real estate or real estate finance arena for the entirety of my career. I joined Haven Capital uh, in late March. Prior to that, I was in Los Angeles with the real estate banking group of Wells Fargo doing bridge loans. Prior to that, I spent several years with uh, Pacific Coast Capital Partners in both Los Angeles and San Francisco doing both JV equity and bridge loan originations. Okay. And prior to that, I was in New York City, most recently in the acquisitions group at Clarion Partners. Got it. And then what brought you to Haven? I was really looking to make a change to do something a little bit more entrepreneurial. Obviously, from, from my background, I've lived in, in several places and uh, wanted to be able to make the most of my knowledge and, and relationships in, in different markets and uh, was set up with the, the team from Haven via an introduction, liked the, the, the chance to be at something that was pretty new and smaller and, and a little bit more nimble. Yeah. And were you kind of the, the first West Coast outpost person for the company? I am. Excellent. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about Haven and kind of how the company itself started and who are the founders and kind of how it, how it came to be. Sure. Haven was formed 
by reach this group and funds managed by Aries via their real estate equity and alternative credit strategies funds. We are a provider and originator of customized ground lease positions and high quality assets across the United States with a focus on the 50 largest metros. And this is something you do throughout the country? Do you guys uh, also have some international operations? We are nationwide. We focus on the top 50 metros in the United States, uh, and we are only domestic at this point. Got it. And where does this opportunity present itself? Which kind of food groups, if you will, uh, in terms of commercial, industrial, you know, retail, where do you guys like to play with this? We look at all the asset types. We look at multifamily, office, hotel, retail, and industrial. We will play in in all asset classes. We're seeing the most interest currently in the multifamily office and hotel sectors. Okay, interesting. But we we are, like everyone else right now, we are, are big fans of the industrial space. Yeah. And we like everyone else probably are, are a little bit more selective, but but are certainly interested in certain retail opportunities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. And you and I may know this, but you know, some of the folks in the in the audience may not, but this, you know, particular way of what you guys do and how you structure this is not necessarily mainstream or or you know, maybe it is, but but I'd like to sort of hear kind of how you guys do it differently and why why this model may stand out from what others do. Right. That's fair. It is becoming more common and more accepted as a way of financing. Ground leases have certainly been around forever. And what we're calling ground lease 2.0 is a more institutional ground lease. It has fixed annual rent increases. It is a a more user-friendly to the leasehold owner product than what people had traditionally uh, had in, in ground leases. And the reason for that is the original ground leases, what we'll call ground lease 1.0, were put in place for the benefit of the ground owner who either didn't want to take on the risk, didn't have the expertise to own and operate real estate. Thus, it was very friendly to that that landowner position, yep. the fee position. We have, are operating in a product that is designed for the leasehold. So it is very friendly in that respect yeah. because it is put in place for their use. It is a financing option, an alternative financing option for people. Yeah. And even though the lease is for 99 years, do these companies that engage with you, what is their motivation? And, and for how long do they hold these ground leases? Is it for the 99 years or is it something where they can kind of buy it back? What typically tends to happen? It can be all over the map, just the same as the people that are owning real estate yeah. fee simple. There are, there are people that are going to buy, either fix or develop and sell real estate. There are people that are going to buy and are long-term owners of real estate. And there are people that are looking to recapitalize an existing asset, and we can play in, in all those different arenas. Um, they, they don't have to own it 99 years. If, yeah. they, they, if we originate a new ground lease, they, that ground lease will, will just go to the next owner of the, of the leasehold. So it can really be all different styles of, of ownership in, in terms of how long they want to own. 
Yeah. And in terms of the companies that you partner with, the companies that, you know, provide the equity and the and the and the money to, you know, Haven, maybe you can name them specifically, but what types of institutions or, you know, enterprises are are the ones that are playing in this space? It's all over the map. It's it's institutional owners, it is private owners, it is developers. It really runs the gamut uh, yeah. nationwide of who would look for this type of financing. And it also depends on the situation of of what they're trying to do. Yeah, sure, sure. And at the end of the day, is this something that you see more companies going to do, uh, whether it's on the front end or the back end of this, right? Will it become more of a kind of mainstream things or you guys hope to bring it to more of a mainstream kind of thing? I think a little bit of both. I mean, I mean we are seeing capital raised in this space. Yep. And as we and others that that do what we do are more successful each and every time it, it will mean that that someone is more familiar with it a, a borrower if it's a first time borrower gets familiar with it a broker that might be involved is is seeing it a lawyer that's on the other side is seeing it for the first time so so each and every time that a transaction like this is consummated the market is is going to be easier and more accepting of, of the product yeah 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 so switch speeds here you know a little bit and go back into kind of, you know, how the company was, you know, founded. So it was founded in the fall of, you know, last year, which was kind of a, you know, interesting time to start a company. <laughs> but I imagine the idea behind it was probably, you know, percolating for a while. What were some of the kind of initial thoughts? You know, wh- where did the founders, you know, see the opportunity for this? And then tell us a little bit about, you know, how, you know, COVID changed all that, if at all. You're absolutely correct. The, the idea for the company was was in place prior to the pandemic coming to the United States. Then the company was launched in fall of 2020 officially during the pandemic and continues to right now operate as we are hopefully getting to the end of this pandemic. Yeah. But the company certainly was not uh, started as a response to COVID. I think just like everybody else, uh, it's it's just posed a, a set of challenges maybe a little bit more for us because we were starting a company right, right. during COVID versus just operating a company. People were, were hired and started and, and commenced working all during COVID. I would say that the, the, the largest impact uh, to the company because of COVID is twofold. One, it is means that it's, it's harder to meet with borrowers and, and brokers in the marketplace, just sure. like everybody else yeah. that's providing capital because in place, in-person meetings weren't really happening. And then the yeah. second is just that transaction volume has been slowed. So that's less people buying and selling and, and, le- and less people looking to capitalize projects. But it seems like we are, are going to put COVID in, in the rearview mirror, at least in a, as a significant uh, impediment in, in the next couple of months. It seems like it's happening now. Yeah, yeah. Were there certain things about the pandemic or that time during the pandemic that kind of gave you guys insights into how the market is evolving and maybe, you know, gave you an opportunity to push into a certain direction that maybe wasn't obvious prior to COVID? I think it's, we're probably too early as a firm to really be impacted, right? That this location in capital markets could could benefit a capital provider that has, that has funds. But I, I don't know that it has materially changed which assets or which asset types we are going to be looking at. 
Yeah, interesting. So you said that you guys kind of play in all the different uh, commercial real estate food food groups, all looking forward to, you know, kind of putting COVID at least in its form of 2020 behind us, right? We have noticed, you know, on our end, and we covered the entire West Coast in terms of, uh, you know, transaction of volume that things have picked up. Uh, you know, two of the food groups that you certainly mentioned, you know, the multifamily and office seems to be picking up in terms of, you know, transactions and interest. Hotel is kind of interesting because some are doing okay, but some are also going through some financial issues. Tell us just about kind of like, how are you seeing overall the industry coming out? And, and maybe the way to sort of do that is to, through kind of what you're saying, multifamily, what's in office, what's in industrial, you know, and so forth, right? I, w- I would love to get your kind of perspective on where where the market is right now as we speak here in you know mid June of 2021. Right. I think what you said is correct. What I, I think is a little bit different than I've ever seen in, in my career is the health of different asset classes do not appear to be at least right now all in sync. Um, right. Normally real estate will ebb and flow with the economy or things yeah. get overbuilt. But here you have different asset classes that are performing ex- extraordinarily well. And some that are are not, yeah. And, and it's a little bit all over the map. So, so we we are seeing a lot of interest in the multifamily space, and, and including ground up development. We we are seeing that and an interest in our product in that space. You know, as, as people are getting back to work and think that, especially in a lot of the markets that we're playing in, that, that they're we're under housed to begin with, and, yeah. and those those fundamentals were were there before the pandemic, and will will continue to be there and, and make that attractive. You know, office is coming back. It's I think there's I think like everyone else, there's going to be a little bit of, of wait and see um, as to how that performs and when are companies A going to get back in the office and then B when are when are they going to start growing. Yeah. Right. Um, and you're going to see a little bit of maybe differentiation between kind of suburban office and more CBD office. Um, hotel, I think is is really split along the lines of are you more of a business hotel or are you more of a a leisure hotel leisure seems to be back um i think your people have been pent up for the past year and a half and they're going to want to travel especially domestically as that becomes easier i think that you know the convention business and whatnot and business travel is is going to be a little bit slower to to come back industrial continues to be extraordinarily attractive and extremely healthy and retail, the pandemic probably sped up some some issues that we're already seeing and and, and struggles that that retailers were already having. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that depends on what type of really retail you're talking about. Are you are you talking about you know tertiary market or more rural malls? Are you talking about infill major market grocery anchored strip centers or or someplace in between? Yeah. What's interesting, what you know, you said about this is that some sectors of the industry seem to be performing, you know, well, others are kind of not quite there yet. It comes to mind that, you know, maybe in the last decade, we've been spoiled that every sector of the industry performed really, really well. My understanding from folks that have been, you know, around for a while is that, you know, that's not that that's that is not that typical. You know, usually you'll have, you know, office doing well or hospitality doing well. And I think in the last decade and sort of the last cycle, everything did really, really well, right? And so and so maybe maybe we are returning to some kind of a normal. I don't know, right? We'll we'll see. We'll see. We will see. It was a it was a long cycle too, right? Exactly, so, so right. That, that's right. Right, right. So if you were 
if you joined industry like in 09 or 08, you'd think that's how the world works, <laughs> essentially, right? That's right. Yeah. So interesting about all of this is that as I look at the map and where you guys are playing, and it is all over the map, but are, are there certain markets that you guys perceive in the last cycle, at least, you know, one of the big things was every market wanted to sort of add kind of a tech component to it, right? Because that's where the growth for the, for the jobs and housing came from. Do you still see some of that kind of being the, you know, the you know, main driver? Or are there other industries that are also emerging that can, you know, really drive, drive a local economy? I think it's both. I think people are always going to be drawn to job growth. Obviously, sitting in Los Angeles, I'd be remiss if, if we didn't talk about content generation. Right. Right. That that has been a large driver in LA. It has been and, and will continue to be. We, we've seen studio developments and conversions, and a lot of the office space absorption right, will yeah. be will be coming from from people in the streaming arena. So, so I think there's there's certain markets where you're seeing more health sciences drive in 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 my region that that would be really be more the, the San Diego and San Francisco market. Yes. Yeah. And obviously there's a there's a handful of others nationwide. Um so so I, I think there there can be and are other industries that will will help drive growth. Yeah. But from your perspective and you said you were uh, focusing on about 50 metro markets around around the country, taking out some of the obvious ones in the top five or six, like you know New York and Southern California, Northern California, Pacific North, Northwest, and so forth. Are there others that are emerging that you think are kind of you know interesting at this point? We will look at at like I like we said about the, the the top roughly 50 major markets. So for for my territory, we're, we're certainly looking at in Phoenix. We're looking in Denver. We're looking at the Pacific Northwest. We're looking at San Diego. We, we will go to Salt Lake City. Yeah, we are looking uh, obviously up and down the East Coast, DC, New York, Boston. We are looking at suburban New Jersey. We are looking at South Florida. When we and we've seen some interest in for our product in in the Midwestern markets, which are not known for their for their growth, but you remember we, we're a finance provider and and we're a, a relatively low leverage product as well. So some of those markets can be attractive as well. Yeah, yeah, makes sense, makes sense. As you look at what's kind of gone on over the last you know eighteen months, obviously this impacted every industry, uh, you know, including yours as well. Were there any things about kind of what's transpired that you know surprised you, but both from kind of a, you know positive but also negative point of view? Personally, I, I I would not have predicted that we go into a pandemic that is causing a recession and that home prices uh, jump dramatically. Yeah, to right. me, that <laughs> right. that was right. is, is and was the most surprising aspect, and, and, and certainly people are experiencing that in Los Angeles, and, and we're not the only market, right? So that that is, I don't know that that interest rates are lower, but but I still don't think that. Had I known that interest rates were going to be where they were, that, that I would have been able to predict or project that with the amount of companies and, and job losses and, and just the level of uncertainty. To me, that that is by far the largest uh, surprise. Yeah. And you've been in the sort of lending market prior to coming to Haven also. And one of the things that I've heard over the last decade, certainly 
with the sort of great financial, you know, recession, right? There was a lot of supply of money coming into the market. And I just remember people, you know, for the last decade saying inflation is coming, inflation is coming. It never really came. We are seeing some signs, some inflammatory kind of signs coming through, through certain areas, although it's still uncertain whether they're transitory or actually going to be sustainable. What, you, you've worked in lending. You worked with this before. How do you read kind of where that world is heading now? I would never want to I won't push you that much on the spot. Yeah. But just, just in terms of like, you know, like, you know, are, are you still comfortable? You know, do you feel that, you know, the, the economy is kind of, you know, on the upswing so we don't have to worry about it maybe as much as some folks seem, seem to think? I think that most people would think that, that we are going to have some level of inflation that is in excess of what we were seeing before. Right. And and you should be factoring that into your underwriting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that that's sort of the case for any any period, right? Right. As you look at kind of what what's transpired over the last eighteen months or so, you know, you're at an entrepreneurial place, uh, you know, company that that just kicked off. As you you know look at times of challenge or sometimes times of opportunity, also, right? What are some of those things that you guys as a as a company are thinking about that might help you in the in the next cycle? Yeah, I, I think that we are taking the time to inform the market of, of the product and the company. I think that at times where where there is dislocation and, and there's a lack of, of money in a space, that always benefits any capital provider and that should benefit us as well. And especially when we're an alternative provider. So when things get a little bit tougher, people look to alternatives. Yeah. So I think if either this COVID recession provides a little bit of, of lack of liquidity back and benefit, if not, we'll be com- you know competing. And then if, if and when things turn another time, or not if, when, that should benefit us as well. Yeah. 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 Hal is my final question here. You know, with everything that we've kind of seen, what gives you hope? I think without sounding so corny, is just the resiliency and the breadth of the economy, right? I mean, just people will move to where, and I don't mean geographically move, but that that as well, but just move into to where people are needed or ideas are needed. Money flows to, to areas that it's needed and, and where it can make a return. And it's pretty amazing to watch, right? It's pretty amazing to see just pandemic, right? How quickly things adapt to making ventilators or yeah. making a vaccine or wh- whatever it seems to be. It's like water finding its own level, right? People and money find the problem, attack the problem, and oftentimes fix the problem. So I think that's always pretty amazing. And I, and I think it's been in sharp relief seen during this pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Hal, appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Tell us a little bit about Haven and what you guys are up to. Uh, Best of luck in uh, this year and into the next cycle. Vlad, I appreciate the time and I welcome the opportunity to, to speak with you. Thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. Stories like these help us shape our understanding of the industry. And we appreciate you taking the time to listen to it. Please follow us on any app where you get your podcasts and tell your colleagues about us. Thank you in helping us spread the word about our work and the industry that is changing the face of business.